Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us at Life Family Church Podcast. We exist to reach, disciple, and empower people to live in the fullness of God. If you're new to our church or want to learn more about us and what we believe, you can check us out online by simply going to lifefamilychurch.net. We hope you enjoy this week's message. So glad to be here this morning. I really, really am, and so grateful. And thank you, thank you so much for having me. And um, anyway, uh, so actually, I've been hit by a, a car. <laughs> We've talked about my nine lives. Been struck by lightning once, and it's so funny you mentioned that. So it, it, let me tell you the story later. But uh, but here's a normal vein. Here's a vein that's blown out because the electricity went out of this arm. And that was how long ago? Long time ago. Yeah. And so anyway. But I'm living to tell the story. Amen? Amen. Am I still loud? Y'all good? Okay. Praise the Lord. Father, we just thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy that endure forever. Father, we come before you in loving gratitude. Father, just so thankful. Thankful, Father, for your presence. Thankful for this church and, and the people. What you are doing, the pastors, Father, we just thank you, Lord, that there is a work of faith and power operating in this place, Father. And we just draw upon your presence. Holy Spirit, you're the true teacher. And we ask you to just teach us today, show us truth today, and help us, equip us. That's what your word says, that we come together, that we may be equipped for the working of the ministry. And so we thank you, Father, for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So appropriate that Dr. Jack uh, mentioned that scripture uh, about coming to the knowledge of truth. The Bible says that uh, God desires that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. And that is not one and the same thing, right? People can be saved and not walk in in truth. You know, they came to some knowledge of truth, but he, he doesn't want you just to get saved and then live a defeated life. He wants you to walk in truth. Amen. Amen. So as I began to pray this week, we just had a busy season. And so I had to like stop everything. Lord, I am going to Florida this weekend. <laughs> what do you want to say? Have you ever had weeks like that? So this was a week ago. But anyway, uh, you know, he immediately dropped something in my spirit that I even haven't looked at in a while. And it's, it's not going to be unfamiliar to you, but I believe we're going to get a lot of revelation today. And so I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to look at the armor of God. And um, so good. I'm, I'm personally just so encouraged. I was like, Lord, if this is just for me, I take it all. I take it. Amen. And uh, so Ephesians chapter 6, let's read uh, verse 10 through 18. And it begins in the New King James is uh, predominantly what I read. It says, finally, my brethren... Okay, that's how it opens, verse 10. But I do like how the Passion says that verse. It says, now my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for last. Okay, so there's important truths that we need. And so he's culminating all these things. And we're going to see how it ties together. But he continues and says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication 
for all the saints. All right? So this is the armor of God. Listen, the most troubling things in your life, things that you perceive with your five physical senses, they're not the real issue. Right? They're not the real issue because everything that occurs in the visible, physical world is directly connected to the wrestling match that's going on behind the scenes. Okay, there is a wrestling match. There's an invisible spiritual world that's going on. And our real enemy, the devil, wants you to ignore uh, the spiritual uh, reality of what's going on behind the physical one. He, he wants to de uh, uh, deceive you, uh, throw up a smoke screen. He doesn't want you to know what he's doing. And so as long as, and this is funny because I was thinking about it. I don't know, you said something in your, your little uh, message a moment ago that made me think of this because I knew I was going to say this. But as long as you are focused on what you can see with your physical eyes, he can continue to run rampant behind the scenes. And I was thinking about my bifocals because um, <laughs> they've been a little crooked lately. And every time Todd looks at me, he's like, <laughs> and I'm so nervous. I had another pair that when I tried to fix them one time and bend them, they just broke. Well, guys, I cannot read my Bible without these. You're a bit fuzzy to me right now. <laughs> and so, you know, but when I put them on, everything comes into focus. And, 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 I, and they are bifocal. So I have one set of vision here. But when I look through the, the more, uh, the stronger lens, that everything comes into clear focus. Listen, whatever you are focusing on amplifies. It amplifies, okay? So what we said was, uh, because as long as you are focused on what you can see with the natural eyes, it's going to amplify. But at the same time, everything else comes out of focus, all right? So what the enemy wants you to do is if you are focused on what you can see with your physical eyes, then he can run rampant behind the scenes, okay? Can we say it this way? Behind what you can see, because you're not looking at that. So he's happy to just be running around behind the scenes. Okay? So back up and let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. Because Paul has a theme here that's not separate messages. But he's saying the same thing that he started with. In Ephesians chapter 1 and how he closes. He starts with one thing and then he gets over at the end and he goes, Now, I don't want you to forget these important truths. And he ties it all together. So look at Ephesians chapter 1. In verse 17, Paul prayed that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above... See, we just read that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness, right? So now he's saying, I want you to see, I want the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened, that you may know that you've been raised up, right? And you've been seated far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. So he said, and he prayed for the Ephesians, for us believers, he prayed that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. Now listen, eyes, what eyes, that's what we use to see. But then he clarifies the eyes of your understanding, what you see with, right? So eyes is what you're, what you're using to see, and then understanding is what you uh, see with. We want to see with understanding, okay? So when you, when you break that word down, we get comprehension. We get discernment. It's the light bulb. Oh, the light turned on. Now I can see, right? Okay, but this is important. Listen, Paul was not asking God to help believers receive 
Listen, he was not asking God to help believers receive their inheritance. He wasn't asking them to receive uh, their abundant inheritance of spiritual riches. We just read all that. Blessings, power, authority. But he was asking that they would realize it is already theirs. See, there's a difference. And a lot of times we get in prayer lines and we want someone to pray with us to receive. Really, all I need to do is help you to realize what you already have. You already have these things, okay? These are already yours, okay? So in, in, the, in reality, the spiritual armor described in Ephesians 6 is almost a repeat of, okay? It's just a different way of describing what Paul just prayed, right? Because he, pray, he prayed in the beginning that we would see these things, understand what's been given to us. And then he closes his letter in Ephesians 6 and says, now the most important thing I want to close with, what I need to leave you with, is that I need to remind you what you have. I need to put, and you need to put it on. It's because how can we put on, how can we take up things we don't even know we have? That's right. Hmm? Okay. So you don't have to turn there, but you remember the story in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16 and 17. Elisha's servant was so fearful of what it looked like in the natural, right? They were surrounded. And then this is what Elisha told his servant. Do not fear. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. See, he didn't say, Lord, send an army. Huh? He didn't say, Lord, send a deliverer. He said, Lord, let him see that you've already done that. You've already sent it. It's already done. Help him to see. He said, then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around them. Right? It was already there. So all he prayed was not for deliverance to come, but that you would, the servant would be able to see what is already his. And that's where you and I have to be. We have to begin to operate, not, not focused on the physical, but understanding what's going on all around us, okay? So the servant didn't understand that more was at his disposal and working on his behalf than he could think or imagine. And isn't that what Paul prayed later, halfway through this letter? He says, Lord, I just, we, we give you praise. We thank you that you are the God that is able to do more than we could ever think or imagine. So I always stretch myself and think, if this is where I can think, man, God is up there somewhere. So I stretch a little further. And he's up there so that you just can't tap into. You never can get there. So why not just stretch? Why not just keep believing above that, right? Okay, so what his physical eyes could see were no match for what they couldn't see. So often we get right here, right? What, what, what's going on around us, how it feels, what it looks like, okay? And so that was the point of Paul's prayer. Let's go back. Well, no, turn to 2 Corinthians 2. Real quick, I want to show you this scripture. Uh, but that was the point of Paul's prayer, okay? Because we need to ask the Lord to open our eyes more fully so we can discern the enemy's activity and, everybody say and, and be fully aware of what God has given to us to disarm and defeat him. Okay? So a lot of times, uh, you know, I meet Christians and, and bless their darling hearts, or as Brother Hagin you say, and stupid heads. But, you know, and, and that was me. I put myself in there. Because, you know, we mean well. We mean well, but then we just lack an understanding. We lack a knowledge, you know. And so what we need to know is not just that I discern the enemy's activities. And some of you have heard me say this before. I mean, and, and I don't mean this as a joke and it's going to sound funny, but it, this is true. And I think it's true of a lot of people. I really used to think that, that the devil was a Halloween costume. Like that's not real, right? The enemy's not real. I didn't understand his deceptive ways, but that's the point of deception, Right? If, you didn't, if, you, if you're operating in deception, you don't even know you're operating in deception. 
Okay? But we also, once we understand there is an enemy, then we also have to be fully aware of what God has given us. Because then you got a whole other category of Christians who are aware of the enemy, but they're fair, afraid of him. Right? And, and, and so they fall into that trap. And, and we're, we need to walk in the authority that God has given us that's already been given to us. We don't need to be praying for it. I'm not, I'm not trying to make light of that. But listen, too often we're just praying for God to give us something. He's like, I've already given it to you. Let's just walk in it. Amen. 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 Okay. And so remember, the greatest, the enemy's greatest device is deception. And I love this phrase I read. He shades reality with deceptive colors, seducing us away from black and white principles. Can I say that again? I don't even remember who said this, but I wrote it down. He shades reality with deceptive colors, seducing us away from black and white principles. Hello, black and white principles. Right here. He pulls us away. His packaging is so clever that unless we know what's true, I mean really know it. You know what I mean? Like know that you know that you know something. We fall for his deceptions. That's why I had you turn to 2 Corinthians 2.11. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, we're not ignorant of his devices. But so many Christians are. Now, and the word ignorant just means a lack of knowledge. That's why in Hosea chapter 4 verse 6, God said, my people perish for what? Hello? Why? Because he knows that if you have a lack of knowledge, if you're operating in a form of ignorance, then the enemy is taking advantage of you and you don't even know it. Okay? All right. So 2 Corinthians eleven 14, I'll just quote it, but it says, it is no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Now, what kind of, what kind of pure deception is that when the king of darkness can appear as the king of light? That's pretty, that's, that's pretty deceptive. And yet, the Bible says that we have more authority and power and can see what he, you know, we can operate in a realm that's above that. But he's pretty deceptive. So if you don't know, then you fall for the lie, okay? Masquerade uh, is another word for facade, which uh, simply means superficial appearance or illusion of something else. Just an illusion, okay? And that's what he likes to do. All right, so turn back to uh, Ephesians chapter 6. So... <clears throat> Looking at these again, there are key words here. Therefore, verse 13, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So we want to put on and we want to take up what's already, everybody say already, already been given to us, okay? So the first one is truth. Everybody say truth. truth. Okay, truth. With the standard of truth in place, you can adjust everything else in your life. Your ambitions, your choices, your feelings, your mind, will, emotions, until everything lines up correctly. But it, you've, got to, you've got to navigate truth, all right? And if you don't have a strong, stable, well-supported core, then you'll easily be led away into the enemy's devices. Okay, but look at John 17. John 17, verse 17. You should highlight this. It's such a short verse, but it's so powerful. Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. The whole chapter is his prayer. And in verse 17, this is part of it. He says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is, that's it. I don't need to go into a six-part series of what truth is. What is truth? This is the, this is the truth right here. This is the truth, okay? And so the, when the Bible says, gird yourself with truth, I looked up that word gird, and it literally means prepare oneself for action. Prepare yourself for action, okay? And I've heard some amazing teachings, you know, on the armor of God and their placement and, and things like that. I'm not going into that today. What I want to equip you with is these six, I think there's six or seven essential things that I'm going to show you at the end 
how to actually use that, how to put this on, how to take this up in a natural situation. So we're going to gird ourselves with truth. We're going to prepare ourselves for action. Amen? And what is the truth? His word. All right, the second one is righteousness. Verse 14 in the Amplified says, Stand therefore, hold your ground, having tightened the belt of truth around your loins and having put on the breastplate, listen, the Amplified says, of integrity and of moral rectitude and of right standing with God. Now listen, if you don't have integrity, you're an easy pawn for the enemy. Okay, well, where do I get integrity? Well, the word, because it's the truth. And then, the, then his word tells us what things, the world does not give you the right answer. I'm just helping you right now. It does not, it used to. We've come into some situations just recently, you know, with staff and volunteers, things that you, you know, you expect people by common sense to know. They're not teaching that anymore. In homes, at school, like just common sense stuff. They're not teaching it anymore. We have to be in the word of God. The word is our only truth. But notice that it calls it a breastplate. And a breastplate always covers all your vital organs. Have you ever thought about that? And so it, we could say it this way. The breastplate uh, covers all the vital organs, the hidden things that you can't live without. I can't live without my heart. I can't live without my lungs. Right? There's things. Well, listen, you can't live without integrity and morals either. Hmm? You really can't. Because the enemy... That's, that's your, he's going to take your feet right out from under you, right? You, you fall in a trap of integrity or moral uh, compromise, and he's going to take you out, okay? But righteousness, and you know I love to teach on righteousness, but I'm not here to do that today. But righteousness is twofold because it is everything God has given you in Christ and how he sees you, right? We've talked about that before. But it is also your response. It is your action based on God's truth, and I want to show you that. Turn to Colossians chapter 1. In Colossians 1, and I love to teach this verse, but verse uh, 21 and 22. Look here. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind. Can we stop there? Enemies in whose mind? Yes. See, that's another trap. See, and that's why you have to know who you are in Christ. That's why you have to know your righteousness in Christ is because you were once enemies in your mind, never in the mind of God. But in your mind, okay? And then watch. In your mind, by wicked works. Why? Because he's got, re he's got uh, your, your past on repeat. I was ministering to a girl this week. Bless her heart. She's 20 years old. She's already lived more life than either any of us in this room want to live. But she said, I wanted to come see you. She showed up at church. She hasn't been there in a while. I, I thought she was off at college. She showed up. We pray I prayed for her. Uh, pastor had, uh, you know, uh, people stand up for different kinds of prayer. And I just saw her. I just beelined over to her, and I mean, she was just boo-hooing, boo-hooing, and I was just ministering to her, and so she was trying to, when service was over, boy, she was trying to be the first one out the door, and I ran, like, you know, I, as a pastor, you're supposed to greet everybody. I was like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, I got to get to her, you know, and, uh, but I got to her, and I said, listen, if you need somebody to talk to this week, give me a call, and so she did, and I was so grateful that she did, but the first thing that she wanted to tell me was the battle that's going on in her mind. She said, I can't. And I said, is it even video? Yes. Isn't that what he does? He just repeat. he just plays it over and over. And you can, you can hear the pastor, you can, you, can, you can hear him telling you, Jesus loves you, he has forgiven you, but that thing's on repeat. And, it, and when you get alone with yourself or in front of your mirror, and that thing's just playing. It's a torment. It's a torment, and that's what he wants to do. But this, listen, this is supposed to be, and I've said this before, but the greatest oxymoron I've ever discovered 
two words that don't belong together, that when you put them together, do say something, but is defeated Christian. Those words should never go together, right? But they do, and, and I've been there, okay? But that's what this is. Listen, read it again. You who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. We could look at that and think he's talking about pre-salvation, okay? And definitely he is. Once we were. But I got born again and carried my condemnation into my walk with God because why? I had a lack of knowledge and I fell into a trap. I didn't know there was an enemy. I didn't know how he defeated me. I didn't know he got into my mind. And so I stayed in that condition as well. And so I just continually let him play those things in my mind. The wicked works that I had done. The failure that I was. Right? But yet now. Everybody say yet now. Yet now he is reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Those, those words together already describe your righteousness in Christ. Holy and blameless and above reproach. Okay, above it. it, it we've been seated in heavenly places above all principality and power of darkness. That's above the reproach. Okay, the accusations, the, the things that he would throw against you. But it's the word present that I want you to circle or underline or make note of. Because this word in the Greek means cause to stand. We thought it meant, ta-da, just going to present. No, it literally means he comes up behind you and says, let's stand up. Let's get up. Yeah. Right? Remember when he said, what he, he knew his assignment? He says, I've come to preach uh, to the poor. Right? I've come to preach to the brokenhearted. I've come to uh, minister to the poor. I'm losing my track. Yes, it's Luke 4.18. But anyway, that word poor, it it, we think poverty. But you know what it literally means? It means crouched in spirit. So what is he saying? He said, I came to lift that up off of you. I came to help you to stand up because you've been redeemed, right? So what this breastplate of righteousness, when those things are coming against you, when you have a knowledge of these truths, then you are protecting your identity. You're protecting your integrity. You're protecting your moral. Now, why would those go together? Because listen, but before I knew the truth, I felt, I think I was class president from seventh to 12th grade. Everybody thought I was a leader. But you know what I really was? I was a follower who wanted people to like me. That's what I really was. Yes, I had leadership qualities and a big mouth, and so I could do some things. But, but really, I just wanted you to like me. So if I don't know who I am, then I'm going to slip into some compromising situations on a lack of morals and integrity because I want you to like me. So identity and, and all of the, they're tied together. They're all in that breastplate, okay? And so you've got to know who you are. Uh, verse 23, though. Is very important. We can't stop with just 22 because let me read them together. You who once were alienated, enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he is reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. There's a big old dash meaning, hold on, let me finish this. If indeed you continue, this is your response, this is your action, in the faith, grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Another trap. He wants to move you away. He wants to slide you out of the way, right? Get you off course. <clears throat> and so we have to continue. Are our arrows and things going to come against us? Attacks on our identity? Yes. You guys keep lifting it up. Keep, keep wearing that breastplate. Amen? All right. Peace. Peace. Listen, the number one way that God leads us. The number one way. I will never say anything different. It's the number one way. Is it by the Holy Spirit? Yes. You know what Jesus said? He said, my peace I leave with you. And then right before there, he says, I'm leaving you a helper. And then he continues the sentence, my peace I leave with you. 
They're one and the same. The Holy Ghost is the, is the way that God leads us, but he leads us by peace. The number one way, I want a billboard, I want a phone call, I want a sticky note on my desk to tell me what to do. But you know what? He said, I'm going to give you peace. Okay? So listen, peace is the manifest presence of God. Strife is the manifest presence of the devil. Period. Period. Okay? You're in strife, you need to back up. I have just given room to the enemy and I don't want to give that place to him, okay? I want him to steal my peace. Listen, and according to the scripture, it says, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So lose your peace, lose your shoes. Now what do shoes do? They protect you. Anybody ever walked out? My poor grandbaby, he's five years old and he wanted to run with me. We went to the lake, was that last weekend, whenever it was, it was recently. Anyway, and I was going to go check something. He was like, I'm coming, mammy. And I was like, hold on, I had just mowed the day before and I knew I had mowed over a bunch of sticker, you know, it was, it was overgrown. So I knew those stickers went flying. So I was like, hold on, Roman. He's like, no, I'm coming after you. <laughs> and I was like, and sure enough, he takes like three steps you know, <laughs> and he's got a sticker in his foot. So what are shoes supposed to do? Protect you. They're supposed to protect you. Now, when I was younger, I grew up out in the country and, uh, and I had very calloused feet because, uh, we just ran outside and played all the time. We ran on caliche. We'd run to check the mail. We'd race each other. You know, you could run on those rocks and nothing. Now I'm tiptoeing out, you know, around. Anyway, I almost thought it. Well, <laughs> we have this gorgeous tree in our front yard, and we have this circle drive, but every bird in Seminole loves that tree. And so our entire driveway is dog, uh, not dog poop, uh, bird poop, bird poop. So you're literally like trying to get to the mailbox. If you don't have shoes on, you, you better walk carefully <laughs> and fast, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but... Um, but no, listen, listen, this is, this is good. The Holy Spirit said this to me. People who run around without shoes develop calloused feet. People who run around without peace develop calloused hearts. Mm -hmm. Because we keep ignoring it. We keep ignoring. We're just going to forge ahead. We're just going to do our own thing. And I haven't found the peace of God. Okay? 1 Timothy 4.2 speaks of seared con uh, uh, consciences. Seared consciences. Okay? I, I, I looked that up. Listen. It seared means to make callous or unfeeling hardened. What is that? Your conscience. When you, when you don't have the peace of God, when you haven't let the peace of God, when you haven't followed that, then, and, and the Holy Ghost is behind it. He's trying to help us, right? He's trying to lead us in paths of peace. But when we ignore that and ignore that and ignore it, it's so sad to me because the way I'm interpreting that scripture, it means eventually I can become calloused and unfeeling and hardened even toward the Holy Spirit who is trying to lead me in paths of peace, okay? It's a trap. Everybody say, it's a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. So, Philippians 4. Sorry, Pastor, you've been doing such a great job of teaching that, but let me just show this. 6 and 7 in the New King, King James. Uh, be anxious for nothing, right? But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And watch this. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. So here's the deal. I tell people all the time. Like you need to get, this is why we need quiet time. We live in such a busy, loud world. You need to create uh, quiet time. I told that girl this week, you know, I know she's 20. I know she's, uh, she's going to nursing school. She's busy. I said, it is detrimental to your life that you start out giving at least 15 minutes a day in the word of God. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to, but it says, listen, when you're at, when you're at a crossroad and you can get in that quiet place with God and you've got a decision to make, 
you know, you, God has given us the ability to replay and preplay. Okay? And so we, we can actually envision two decisions. Well, if I go this way, God, I, I feel like you're leading me to take this job. Or, but but should, I, should I stay here? Am I supposed to go this way or am I supposed to go this way? God is not confused. As you play that out, and then you come back, and I'm saying in your quiet time, I'm not doing this while the radio's blaring and I'm at a drive through talking to somebody. I, that's distraction, right? I'm talking about having a quiet place with God and just talking to him and letting him lead your heart, right? Then I pre-play this one, I pre-play this one. One of them has peace. Not both, one. But you know what both will have? Questions. Both will be have what ifs. So that's why it says he'll give you peace that passes understanding. So I tell people all the time, do not go with your head. You follow the peace. The questions, he knows what you don't know. He can see what you can't see, right? So you follow the peace every time. Every time you will win. Every time. Boy, I'm convinced of that. Every time the peace of God will lead you. Every time, pastor, he will lead you. And I love this too. I was meditating on the scripture years ago, and I was in a tough season, and he, he added, the, you know, he'll just add a little bit to it, you know, just uh, amplified, right? He says, he'll guard your heart from being broken and your mind from being troubled. Come on, who doesn't want to live in that world, right? Unbroken hearts and untroubled minds, if we'll follow the peace of God. Amen? Amen. All right, faith. We need faith for everything. I need faith to go to Walmart. How about you? <laughs> Come on. We need faith. We need faith. Now, this is a really cool thing. So, uh, the, listen, listen to this illustration. The best tactic of the Indians against the white man, Shanali, you'll like this, right? Sonali. Did he say Shanali? It is Shanali, but it's not with an H. You had it right, Pastor. Yes. But she is uh, Indian. But listen, this is really good. Best tactic of the Indians against the white man infiltrating their land were flaming arrows targeting their canvas-covered wagons. Okay? This kind of attack would disrupt military lines and cause the occupants to focus on the blaze rather than the attacking enemies. Hmm? Because flaming arrows weren't necessarily meant to kill or destroy. They were only meant to distract. Huh? Why does it tell us then? Verse 16, above all. I can, I, man, I can have my belt of truth on. I can know who I am in Christ. I can have peace on my feet. But if I don't got that shield of faith lifted up above all, quenching all the fiery darts of the enemy, then listen, the Lord told me one time, he said, uh, if, it's, if it's not your assignment, it's your distraction. There are a lot of things. Christians get caught up in that too. A lot of good things. But it's not their assignment. So they're actually, they're actually in deception. Because they're not following the peace of God. They're not following. Uh, they're, they're distracted from the truth. Amen? Okay, so above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now, <clears throat> the Bible says in a couple of places, uh, don't get weary in well-doing. There's two, thing, two things we can think of on that. One, it's possible. He's, he's warning you. It's very possible to get weary in well-doing. Okay? Uh, but the other th reason I think that the Lord uh, tells us this is because the devil can wear you down or you can wear him down. There's not a middle ground. Either he's going to wear you down, right? You're just always fighting in yourself, you know, taking it on yourself. Uh, or you can stand. Having done all the crisis requires, I'm going to stand, right? I mean, there is a part we play. But having done all to stand, I stand, 
right? And so we've got to stand in faith. We've got to take up the shield of faith, all right? So everybody say, shields up. Shields up, okay? Because I don't want the enemy wearing me down. I'm going to keep standing until eventually I'm going to wear him down. Now, when I was growing up, I told you I lived out in the country. Uh, we had dogs. We've, we've always had lots of dogs. And, but you didn't need a fence out in the country. And so there was wild dogs that would come up and, and run around. And some of them had been dropped off or some of them, you know, had just been crossing, you know, counties, you know, trying to find food or whatever. But you could see the ones you didn't want them coming around. You know, they, they were mangy, they were sickly looking, maybe even a little vicious looking, you know, don't go pet that dog. And so my dad taught us, you know, run them off, pick up a rock, shoo, tell them to go. And, uh, and we did that all the time. Like it didn't matter how many times that dog came, you just kept, you know, telling it, shoo, 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 and get it away. And it may be days, it would come back, it's trying to get the, the good dog food or whatever. And, uh, but eventually that dog went next and it traveled on down the road somewhere else. That's what the enemy does. You start using your authority, you're lifting up your shield, and, the, and so he goes, but then he comes back around when you kind of relaxed, and then the next thing the enemy does is he speaks to you, in, you know, to you, and he says, oh, that authority stuff doesn't work. Look, here I am. Hmm? Now, what do you do? Go. You tell him again, go, and that's what it means to stand. You keep standing your ground. How are you going to wear the devil down? You keep standing. You just keep doing this. You just keep doing this, and eventually he goes, next, then he's going to move on down the road. I promise it works. Resist the devil, he will flee. That word resist doesn't mean one time. This is continual action, okay? All right. Salvation. It talks about the helmet of salvation. A helmet protects the head. And I was thinking about this. What is, what is, what is needed to protect in my head? Uh, knowledge, vision, memory, right? Remember how good God is? That's why he had them put up monuments, you know, and, and stuff. When they would come back by that way, they remember Oh, yeah, the Lord is good. He wants you to remember he is good. He wants you to have a knowledge of the truth, as we talked about earlier, right? But he also wants you to know where he's taking you. So um, I'm going to step up here for this illustration because it's so good, and I'm going to borrow it and give Marty Blackwelder uh, kudos for this one time. Okay, <laughs> one time. He was at our church two weeks ago, and he got up on our stage, and he said, you know, he said, uh, uh, if there was a little ant that was crawling across the stage, like about right here. He said, from where I'm standing, I could see where he's been, where he is, and where he's going. He said, in the same way, God can simultaneously see your past, your present, and your future. We've always wondered, how does he do that? But here's what's amazing. Isn't it amazing that he didn't reject us? He sees what you've done. He sees where you are. But he also knows where you're going. And, uh, and Marty said, you know, I could take a little piece of fruit and I could set it out here. He said, that little ant is so far away, he can't see that I put it there. He said, but I'm telling him, keep going. Keep barreling forward. Keep going, right? And he said, if I see he starts getting off track, the Lord will just kind of come in and try to help us get back on, right? He has good things for us. That's a knowledge of truth, right? That's vision. When the word gives you vision, you're not there yet, but the word gives you a vision that it's up ahead of you, okay? So we need the helmet of salvation to protect us. But I was reminded when I was praying that the Bible also talks about, to us about working out our salvation with fear and trembling. And, uh, and, and you know, one of the ways I interpret this is just don't forget where you came from. Uh, don't forget what Christ did for you. I've now been saved more years than I haven't been saved. Praise the Lord, right? I couldn't wait till that day. Like, because I didn't get saved till I was 21. So, you know, I, I was meeting people that have been saved their whole life and I envied them. 
But I've also now been saved long enough that I realize you can get far enough from the day of salvation that you actually forget what it meant to you. Come on, work that out. Be in awe of that. Don't ever forget that. The Amplified says, work out, cultivate, carry out to the goal and fully complete your own salvation with reverence, with awe, trembling. I love this, self-distrust. Why? Because we can get into pride that I did a few things. Because I, I know the word, you know, and I know the Lord, he knows me. Those are good things. But don't ever let them elevate you, you above who he is, what he did for you. Uh, trembling, self-distrust with serious caution, tenderness of conscience, watchfulness against temptation, timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. Be careful, right? So the helmet of salvation is going to protect. It's going to protect all those things. So we don't want to forget what Christ did for you. Everybody say mercy. mercy. That's what I think of. I think of mercy. When my, my children, I'm so thankful, all three of our children have not known living in a house without Christ. And I'm so thankful because I did. But one of my, my prayers to God when they were little was, Lord, I don't want them to have to go through some stuff to appreciate you, to, to value you. You know, but how are, I could not fathom, how does one actually value Christ if you've always known him? And he didn't like pull you out of the pit. Like I just felt, I had such a heart of gratitude. I was so grateful that he saved me. And you know, he just does. He, my daughter, I've had these long conversations with her. She's 19. And she just so loves Jesus, is so thankful and feels like she's just made a mess of her life at times. I'm thinking, girl. <laughs> I remember one time when she was like, now how is Uncle Jeremy your brother? So I had to walk through this little time and she was looking at me like, what, what? <laughs> She's so confused. And, and then I was like, and then I was having to tell her, well, because I was living with my grandparents because my mom took a job and left me and my brother and, you know, and it sounds awful, but to me, it's my life, right? But to her, she was like, Momo just left y'all? <laughs> I was like, well, she had to get a job. <laughs> she had, that was the job she got. It took her away, you know. So, you know, but so, my kids have been protected is my point. But listen, mercy is what I think of. What I think we're all supposed to think of when we think of what Christ has done for us. Mercy is the compassionate disposition or kindly forbearance shown toward an offender, an enemy. The discretionary power of a judge to pardon someone. Boy, that's me. That's you. I don't care what your life story is. That's all of us. Amen. Mercy. In other words, we don't want to forget what God did for us. So we're going to keep this in mind always. Listen, if we'll keep this in mind always, we'll react differently. We'll react better. Okay? Because we're talking about things coming against us, wearing, putting on, taking on, taking up our armor. All right? So, okay. Let me just close. Uh, I'm getting close to closing. But listen, the spirit and the word. I'm going to put those together. Take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Hebrews 4, 12, and 13 in the Passion says, For we have the living word of God, which is full of energy, like a two-edged sword. It will even penetrate to the very core of our being, where soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet. It interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of our hearts. There is not one person who can hide their thoughts from God. For nothing that we do remains a secret, and nothing created is concealed, but everything is exposed and defenseless before his eyes to whom we must render an account. Listen, the Holy Spirit is called your helper for a reason. The Holy Spirit, okay? And he already sees right through you, so we just need to lean into him. I don't know why we, why is it in our makeup that we want to hide things, right? Where, where does the Holy Spirit live? In you, right? 
I always tell people, you know, they'll ask me, Miss Daphne, but why is it so hard to forgive yourself? And I'm like, because you live with yourself. But guess who else lives there? The Holy Ghost lives there, right? And so what the Holy Ghost wants you to know or wants to remind you is, even though you remember what you did, you have forgotten that Jesus, that God knew what he was paying for. So forgive yourself, right? Let the Holy Spirit take the word of God and minister to you. Let God's word by the Holy Spirit fill your gaps. We have gaps, gaps of, of knowledge, gaps of truth, gaps of, you know, I think about when we're talking about this armor, I'm thinking, you know, if, I guess if you dissected it, there's places of us that are not covered. And yet the Bible says that God is our covering, that we abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I mean, we're just never not covered unless we choose not to be, okay? But I didn't come here to teach on the Word and the Spirit. I'm just assuming that y'all all know that. So lastly, prayer. Prayer was the last one. God is relational, not religious. Amen? I wasn't even raised religious at all, but I fell into the trap of uh, religion out of a desire to please. I just wa so wanted God to love me. And you know, here I am, three books later, uh, teaching on righteousness, and then just last year, last October, it hasn't quite been a year, I, I did a fast, and I had an amazing breakthrough of something about my identity and just receiving God's love as a father, because I didn't have a father, and I didn't realize that had been a hindrance for most of my life. But it has been the most amazing year since that happened, and it was so simple the way it happened that God just, I was having a conversation with Todd in the middle of the, five days into this fast, I'm going to do a 21-day fast. Right? I'm set. And I'm five days in. I mean, God is just downloading stuff. And I was talking to Todd, and, and I don't mind telling y'all what it was. I was just talking to him and telling him how, I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but it, leading up to this point, I was telling him how, you know, I had actually been a little jealous, happy, but jealous of his relationship with Emily. Like, so happy, you know, that, uh, that, that she had her dad, but I didn't have that. So it was a weird thing because I was like, but I know Todd loves me. Like, I'm, what a... It, it felt like jealousy, but I knew it wasn't. Like, I'm not jealous. I want him to love his daughter. And I know he loves me. So what is this? But I realized, and I was talking to Todd, and all of a sudden the Lord just said, you're jealous because you've never had a father that did that. You don't know what that's like. And all of a sudden he says, and that's why you have such a hard time approaching me and always wanting to please me. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I was done. I was done. So here's the crazy part. So guess what? This is crazy. But this is, this is God is good. So I'm set. I had set my mind on doing a 21-day fast. The next day, he said, if you do that fast one more day, you're trying to please me. Whoa! It took, it took more faith to not do the fast than to do it. Todd and I were leaving on a trip. And he's like, you want a burrito? I'm going to go get one. <laughs> Jesus, can I have a burrito? <laughs> that is ridiculous, but that's how bound we can get. Listen, and, we're, and listen, I'm not tooting my own horn, but we're talking about someone who teaches this stuff. Who is, I'm getting books to people on this stuff, and then I'm getting this breakthrough. I'm like, oh my gosh, Jesus. Don't ever think you've arrived. You have not arrived. None of us have arrived, you know. Oh, he's so good. He's so good. Uh, I was going to say something else about that, and I forgot what it was, but. Anyway, God is just so good, and so he will help you. Oh, I know what I was going to say. So this last year, 11 months now, guess what? The byproduct that I didn't even know is all fear has left my life. 
I am not kidding you. He knows. Boy, I was jumpy in the car. I've been hit by a car. I've been in several car wrecks. My car, my head's gone. We've talked about nine lives. And uh, (laughs) uh, planes, I grew up on planes. My parents were divorced. One lived in Houston. One lived in Lubbock. I had to fly on a plane to visit my family. Uh, Little kids with little tags. I was that kid, right? Then my mom became a flight attendant. And so we got to fly free. And so that was the job she took. So I went, I got to fly free wherever she went. But I was so nervous. You, I mean, one little bump on the plane. And I would get so mad. We'd go on our mission trips, and I would pray and pray and pray. I'm good. And y'all wouldn't know it. Todd would know. But, but I would sit there, and I'm squeezing everything in front of me. And on the inside, I'm going, God's not giving me fear of fear. God's not giving You know, you know the word. And then I would be so mad that this fear was on the inside of me. Listen, as soon as I realized the love of the Father and accepted it, all fear gone. Perfect love casts out all fear. Amen? Amen. And so, you can't be religious in your prayers. It's got to be relational. He loves you so much. So, don't, don't make prayer a formula. That's what I'm saying. I used to do that, okay? All kinds of prayer. Just talk to God. So, let's look at all this this way. A doctor might wear scrubs every day to work because it is his or her uniform, but when the need arises, they will pick up a stethoscope, a blood pressure machine, or any number of tools to use on their patient. Likewise, we must always wear our daily, divinely given uniform, the word and the spirit, but also be prepared to take up the others when required. You got to be ready, okay? So I'm going to close with this. Recently, I had a conversation. We've had several recently conversations, you know, uh, that left me agitated. I was just agitated. I wasn't happy about how, what was said and what was done. And I could have easily stayed there. This is how I want to help you with what we've just talked about. My flesh wanted to stay agitated, stinky attitude, right? But it wouldn't have helped me so what do you got to do? You got to take the, th- you got to put on, you got to take up what belongs to you. Okay. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, the word, the spirit, prayer. So it looked like this. What is God's truth right now? How should integrity respond right now? Peace. Choose peace, Daphne. You can choose peace. Exercise your faith over this situation. You are born again. Therefore, you are a child of love. That's our salvation. What does the Holy Spirit say? What does the Word of God say? Would you just stop and pray? So often, we're just going forward, agitated, just moving on. The minute I did those things, we're talking recently, I went through that, and I was like, all right, Lord, forgive me, okay? Now, in all honesty, though, uh, my husband was agitated, too. So, I'm starting to get some peace, but one little conversation with him, I feel his agitation. Now, it's not, it's not his fault. He's working through his too, right? So, but, and he's not agitated at me, but I can feel it. Well, then I want to get all like with him, like, come on, we both got to be at peace at the same time. You know, so I'm like mad at him, <laughs> you know? And so, right? And, over the dumbest things. So sometimes when other people are agitated, you can just feel it rubbing against you. What do you do? Hey, what do you do? What do you do? Listen, you tighten that belt. Huh? You adjust that breastplate. You pull your shoestrings a bit tighter. You adjust your helmet. Pick up your sword. You pray in the spirit. In other words, you do it again. Well, you have been given these things so that the enemy, because the enemy, here I got in peace. Okay, 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 Lord, thank you, Lord. And then I rub up against someone that doesn't, and then we immediately just want to slip back in. That's a trap. I'm talking to you about your authority. I'm talking to you about this armor of God, what God has given us. Amen? I'm going to close with this quote by Priscilla Shire. She said, the enemy always fails miserably when he meets a believer dressed for the occasion.
Come on. Come on. That'll motivate you to get dressed every day. Right? Amen. Amen. All right. Well, uh, I want to pray for you. So let's all just stand to our feet for just a moment, stretch our legs. But I'm going to ask you to do something for me. Um, Felt like the Holy Spirit told me to ask this. And maybe we could play a little music or something. But uh, I mentioned earlier that the devil can wear you down or you can wear him down. There is not, hear me, there is not a middle ground. It, It is one or the other. He's either wearing you down or you are wearing him down. But it doesn't have to be an exhausting thing. You just got to stand. Stand in the knowledge of truth. But I felt like when I asked the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, how would you like me to pray for the people today? He said, ask them that are feeling weary. If you're feeling like he's been winning, then come up because I want to pray for you. I believe the anointing is here to minister to you. You've heard truth today. Uh, But the Bible says that we can come into a place of agreement. He'll strengthen us. We can impart some things to you. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. It's our honor to serve you and be part of your walk with Christ. Don't forget to check out our website at lifefamilychurch.net. Have a blessed week and remember, the best is yet to come.